Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast, coming at you here before probably the biggest regular season game of the year. I know we had Bucks uh, and Patriots. Obviously, that was built off years of history. Yeah, Buccaneers, Rams at the time. Um, at the beginning of the year, you thought the Rams and Tampa Bay were going to be Super Bowl favorites. Uh, you had Chiefs, Browns even at the beginning of the year. Now that we're deeper into the season, games have played out. Um, New England back to their uh, you know sturdy ways. Great defense, good special teams, not turning the ball over. They're they're a tough out in Buffalo. They have played well. They've had some hiccups, but it's a AFC showdown, AFC East showdown, and it's prime time Monday night. The schedule has laid out in their favor, and and here we go. And there's going to be snow. It's it's a December football game. Cannot wait to sit down and watch that one uh, momentarily here. We're coming at you uh, just uh, a little bit before that game will kick off. But definitely want to touch on the rest of Week 13, as we always do. Got some big thoughts on Baltimore um, and that game against Pittsburgh. And overall, where they are as a team, not, not a good place. Not a good place. And I said it last week briefly, touched on it. Just haven't been playing really for, for several weeks now. And definitely another team that's been that way is the New York Giants. And we haven't talked a whole bunch uh, about them, really, because they're they're not all that notable. Um, but I definitely want to take a deep dive into exactly what is wrong with them, because I don't think it's all that complicated, but it is a big issue. We'll touch on the MLB lockout, what's going on there. The media, as they usually do, is twisting a lot of things just to make it a soft landing for the consumers, the public, you and me, whoever's listening to this. It's that also is not a complicated issue, and really they're painting out the uh, the commissioner Rob Manfred, the owners as the bad guy. Business is business, and we're going to touch on that. It's episode sixty five of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. So I have a wedding coming up, not my own wedding. Okay, have not have not gone that far, but you know, Miss Taylor and me, we are very happy. Um, definitely in the best spot that I've ever been in, life-wise, and uh, I'm very happy. But we're going to a different wedding, our friend's wedding, and I got to get a new suit, okay? So I went in this weekend and, you know, got all uh, all tailored up 
um, as far as, you know, getting the suit, looking cool, you know, the slim fit. The, the, the suit I got in the past, I think it was 2015, they had like the trash bag style on me. Um, you know, Bill Belichick, how he wears those suits that are like three sizes too big. And he shows up at the press conference at like, you know, all the Super Bowls he goes to. And uh, he just looks hilarious because he, he just doesn't, you know, give a shit. And he just wins and, you know, it's awesome. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to, you know, fit in, in style. I'm trying to be in fashion here. So I'm getting like, you know, it tight around the calves, um, around the chest to make me look cool. So I did that this weekend and, you know, Plastered up against uh, the the place that I'm at is 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 uh, is Michael Strahan, you know Michael Strahan, former New York Football Giant, is just everywhere. He's in the suit shop that I'm at. The guy's on Good Morning America. He's on Fox Sports doing the studio analyst, and he's going to outer space now. And it, it just made me think: the New York Football Giants are are an opportunity not only to be in a, a football hub, a place that has a passionate fan base, has a committed owner, even though he's not that good, which we'll get into, um, has a committed owner, uh, a proud tradition. And, and and here we are, Mike Glennon, starting football games for you yesterday here in week 13. Like the Michael Strahans of the world, the Eli Mannings, who got a long leash for those Super Bowls that he won. Like you look at Post-2014, he's not that good, but but what did it get him? Got him a lot of collateral to, to kind of figure it out. And it, it provided him a a soft landing after his career was clearly over. He got a couple years to, like, finish it out as a starter. Like, that that's what the New York Giants provides you when you are a good player and when you are someone of high character. Tiki Barber, even. He's on CBS now, and he calls games um, each and every Sunday. And at a, at a time, he was supposed to be the Michael Strahan doing Good Morning American stuff. But then, you know, he had that weird stuff with his wife going on, and that didn't happen. But you take it back even to Frank Gifford and Kathy Gifford. She got her start on TV. And all the businesses that Gifford had post-playing career because he was a New York football giant. It is such a opportunity not only to play football, but for you to go on and build your brand afterwards. And as I'm sitting here in the uh, in the suit shop getting that done, it made me think Mike Glennon is starting the game tomorrow. And, and, and there's better opportunities out there than Mike Glennon to have as your backup quarterback. And then I thought even the guy ahead of him, Dan Jones, Daniel Jones, they took him sixth overall. And, and it's just been a, a far cry from when the Giants, when I was growing up winning Super Bowls and – you know, just the big physical football teams that they had in the mid-2010s and mid-2000s with Tom Coughlin. Like, you think about the Jason Pierre-Pauls, the Justin Tucks, the Brandon Jacobs of the world. Like, they are so, so far gone from those days. And it's the same folks running the show, the Maras, and you would think that they would figure it out. And it's not all that complicated in my mind of an issue. Really, since David Gettleman took over, and even before that, I I, uh, I know they had what's his face, uh, Wagley, or, uh, uh, Whaley, Doug Whaley, running the show. He had a good run, but towards the end of it, he wasn't doing so great. They just really haven't picked good players, whether it's in the draft, through trades, or through free agency. None of their contracts, none of their selections have worked out. Their talent evaluation, awful. 
You took Dan Jones, six overall. I would have liked him in the second round even. Third round, would have loved it. Fourth round, any time after that would have been great. You took him sixth overall. You fell victim to the fact that, yeah, you had an issue at quarterback. So then you fell in love with Daniel Jones because he was the next guy available. But if the player is no good, you, you shouldn't try and, and fall in love with it if it's truly not the, the right move. And they've done that in free agency, whether it's Golden Tate um, and, and Dexter, not Dexter Lawrence, he was a trade piece, but Leonard Williams, who they traded for and then re-signed, and he hasn't really been good since then. You look at all their moves, and it's really simple. They need to get better at evaluating. And then when you do have good players and they're of high character, have them stick around. Have them stick around because a lot of times they're going to treat you well because of the opportunities that you provide them after football. Do you think Tiki Barber, and I know he had a little run-in with Coughlin. It was pretty minor, though. Do you think Tiki Barber, Eli Manning, Michael Strahan, they, they are beloved by the Giants, but they also love the Giants too because of a class act that they are. And right now, it's it's a very simple issue. You need to find a better general general manager. I don't think Joe Judge is a horrible head coach. The jury's still out on it. He had a COVID year. He's now in his first true regular season, if you will, as Giants head coach. But the fact of the matter is you have to get back to uh, picking good players. It's not a complicated issue. They say they're a mess. Oh, the Giants are a mess. No, no, you're just, you You really have a bad guy at the helm picking the players here. And I got a lot of respect for David Gettleman. He put that Super Bowl roster together in Carolina. But the guy's thinking is outdated. It really is. It's clear when he came in to run the show in 2017, I think it was, he built around Eli. That was a mess. Uh, brought in Nate Soldier. Um and he just has antiquated thoughts on how the game has to be played today. And it's, you know, you got to build to the modern NFL. And I think that if the Mars are smart, they're going to take it out of their hands and bring in an outside evaluator to say, hey, what do we need to do differently? What are we doing wrong here from a hiring process? Because it's all trickling down from us down onto the field. And right now we have, we have Mike Glennon starting games at quarterback Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Eagles put up 33 points against the other horrible team in New York, the Jets, with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew looks so much better than Mike Glennon. You have to think if you're the Mars, why isn't that guy playing for us? The, 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 the Eagles got him for, what, a six-round pick in training camp? The Giants are a disaster from a result standpoint, but their problem is simple. They need to get better at evaluating talent because right now I look at the team and they need a new everything. So the other game that was, I shouldn't even, this is the first game that we're talking about here. The game that I had the biggest takeaway from was primetime, 3 o'clock slot, 4 p.m. Eastern if we're going off NFL time, Easter Standard Time, Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Lamar Jackson was harassed all day yesterday and that's why I went with Pittsburgh and Pete's Picks post them every week. And every day that there's an NFL game on Twitter at Pete4C, uh, Pete's Picks, we are going for our 12th victory this evening. I'm tending to lean Buffalo, Blizzard, you know, Belichick, December football. You know, it's a toss-up. I'll be putting it out here momentarily after this podcast is over. But we nailed Pittsburgh yesterday. 20-19, to 19, Baltimore loses on the failed 
Uh, point after attempt, they went for two. Errant throw from Lamar. Mark uh, Andrews could not corral it in. But, you know, Baltimore, they have not been playing good football for some time now. I mentioned it last week. I don't know why there would be any confidence that this team, they were the number one seed yesterday. It's been a weird year overall in the NFL. AFC is very murky. They they fight they fall all the way to third place now in the standings as far as the playoffs are concerned. They are not a good offense. They're not. Lamar dropping back and having to throw to receivers, it, it's been horrible. Mark Andrews, if he's not available, if you can take him away, it, it's not a good offense. They're uh, running back. Obviously, they came in with all those injuries at the beginning of the year. Their running back room is you know limited. You got Devontae Freeman in there. Murray's been all right. Lamar Jackson, he's your best rusher. The problem with having Lamar Jackson be your best running back is that he also has to play quarterback. So when you do not have a good running back available, that's a problem. It's a problem having to rush the football. And then you factor in the fact that he's not a natural drop back passer. He's a capable passer, no doubt about it. And the fact that for whatever reason, they just haven't been shotgunned the entire time. That allows Pittsburgh to pin their ears back. They don't have to worry about play action because it's much easier to see the mesh point that way. They need to get him under center, and they, they just don't seem willing to do that for whatever reason. And really since, I don't know, mid-October, they haven't been a good offense. They can't score over 20 points. And now they fall third in the standings as far as the AFC. And th- this was a big game. Big game for Baltimore. I didn't think they were going to rise to the occasion. I thought Pittsburgh defensive line would harass Lamar Jackson. They did, and they did in the fourth quarter. Did in the fourth quarter. And all, for all the PFF stats out there, which again, love PFF, it, it's difficult to quantify how someone throws the football after you take a hit because he was getting harassed. And I, I every time he dropped back to pass after he got harassed from a TJ Watt or a Cameron Hayward or, or a Holmes, it, I mean, it was ugly. And, and not this isn't knocking Lamar as much as it is just knocking the Ravens and not really having a game plan around them. I thought the Ravens were, I thought they would keep it close. I didn't think they were going to have a shot to win it at the end of the game. That was a great, great fourth quarter drive by the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. But ultimately, they lost this game because they weren't able to have enough plays at the beginning of it in the first and second quarter. Pittsburgh, their offense, you knew they weren't going to score points. Roethlisberger's washed. They don't have any receivers. They have a very basic offense. They're not going to throw anything spectacular at you. And you couldn't have any shot plays in the first half. I was watching it. Boring football. Boring football, and I understand it's going to be tough, it's going to be physical, it's going to be Baltimore-Pittsburgh, it's going to be AFC North, but they didn't even dial anything up early in the game. That's where Baltimore needs to fix themselves. they got to call more shots early in the game. they got to get Lamar under center. And you got to have a running back that's capable outside of your quarterback because right now your quarterback is passing the ball and he's running the ball. You're asking him to do too much. So obviously, Major League Baseball is not operating right now. They locked out the players. I guess it was, it would have been Wednesday at midnight or Tuesday at midnight. It was inevitable. It had been reported on for years at this point that if they did not strike a negotiation, which was unlikely to begin with, because the players basically think they got, um, you know, scorched last negotiation, which they did. You know, Tony Clark, which we'll get into in depth here. Uh, didn't strike the best deal, but now there's nothing operating. There's no contact between the players and the coaches. General managers cannot talk to agents. No, nothing's going on. The owners have said, until you negotiate, um, come with your serious offers, 
we're not going to allow you to, to be a part of baseball, as opposed to a strike where they said, we're not going to give you our labor until you come with serious offers to, to strike a negotiation. So that's where we're at. And at the root of the issue, I had a friend ask me in text message the other day after it had happened uh, the next morning. He said, it has to be more about money, right? I go, oh, no, 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 no. It's solely about money. Money and free agency, how you get to free agency, uh, as far as your clock and, and um, your service time clock, when that starts, how rookies um, are paid and and age limits and all, all this stuff is going on. It's just like how you disperse the cash. And what's really bothering me, shocker, the media is how they're reporting this is just like some epic failure. Guys, this is a good thing that a lockout is happening in the sense that it's creating urgency. Obviously, you don't want to do this. You would have rather gotten a negotiation prior, but we knew they were so far apart, it wasn't going to happen. Major League Baseball has done this because they want to create more urgency so they can get the deal done. Both sides want to get it done, but you have to use this tactic to get to the end of the road. Think about just before it had happened. We had all these deals coming off the table because there was a deadline. Every great journalist will tell you, I don't need more time. I just need a deadline. Whether you're a beat reporter or whether you're a, a feature columnist for Time Magazine or if you're an investigative reporter, you don't need more time for the story. I just need to know when it's due. And then you get you find a way to make it happen. That's the same thing with any type of sale that you're talking about, which... That's what Major League Baseball owners are trying to do with the players and the players with the owner. They're trying to sell each other on an agreement. And Tony Clark, I said it, it had to be about a year ago. He's just not really good. And maybe it's because he's a former player and he was a good former player, proud career, and he's a good baseball man. But his problem in my eyes is that he's got trouble like getting along with the people that he's got to get along with and strike deals with. You don't have to get along with them all the time. Like you are here to to represent the players and get a deal that that's fair for them. But if you think you're lined in the sand to take is, this is what my players want. I'm not backing off it. You're kind of in the wrong business because you do have to compromise on some things. And Tony Clark seems to do this all the time where he, he's not willing to compromise on the designated hitter. He's not willing to compromise on free agency you know, cash just, you know, just flying to everybody and everybody's pockets, middle class, low class, big tier free agents like it's Corey Seager. It's just like, you know, you're going to have to understand at some point, you're going to have to give the owner something. You can't just take, take, take. You got to give. And I, I think this is a good tactic by the owners. Like you, you did have to lock out. It was inevitable. I think it's a good tactic. Rob Manfred was irritated. I think it was like earlier this month or maybe it was late November he said, it's hard for me to believe that nobody understands that this is necessary and that this will accelerate the process. And I think the media is doing a poor job of kind of portraying that to consumers. They they want to make Rob Manfred out to be the bad guy because that's easy. It's easier to hate the man. Remember, anti-establishment. That's what people want to hear. Everybody's anti-corporation. I'm on the player side because I like watching players. Well, you know, the players right now just don't seem to be living in reality. You're going to have to get closer to the middle if you want to have baseball games in the spring. Nobody wants to have spring training canceled. Although, you know, really the reality is that players, managers, nobody really likes spring training. It's dragged on way too much. 
Um, you know, most guys come in shape. They need the at bats, but they're not physically in bad condition. Nobody really likes spring training. So if that gets cut short, it's not the end of the world. Nobody wants to miss regular season games. Why? That's when the cash starts coming in. Yeah, <laughs> that's when guys are paid. And that's when owners, they start getting gate revenue. So nobody wants to miss that. That's not until the end of March. I believe it's like March 30th. So there's a lot of time between now and then. This is a mechanism to start jumpstarting that. The owners, good move by them. You want to get a deal done. Tony Clark, now it's time for him to play ball with the owners. He's not really good at doing that. Now, credit to him. He did it last year to get the pandemic shortened season done when 24 hours before that, it looked pretty dire. And maybe he'll do it again here soon. But, you know, the media right now, they're just not doing a great job at portraying that this is something that had to be done by the owners. They seem to just want to make Manfred out to be the bad guy, the owners to be the bad guys because they're the billionaires. And, you know, again, corporation, nobody seems to like that. F the man, that seems to be society's way nowadays. But it's a good method. I think it will bring them closer together. And when it's all said and done, I think we'll be watching baseball come the end of March. So this week was kicked off with Thursday Night Football, Cowboys Saints in the Superdome, and Taysom Hill, 19 for 41, 264 yards, two touchdowns. You look at the two touchdowns, you look at the yards, you think, okay, okay day. Anybody that watched that football game knew that it was a disaster, and it was a disaster before his little finger, you know, I think he hit his, uh, I, I forget even the injury, how it occurred, but he obviously had a splint on it, and it wasn't good. The guy is not a drop-back passer. He's not even a natural passer. You look at it, it's one read and go. He's got nothing else in the tank. And yeah, he's got a good arm. And yeah, he's a good weapon to have. And I personally like the guy and what he's about. He's a tough, he's a physical, big football player. But Sean Payton, you know, he's fallen in love with guys. Fallen in love with this guy. And it's not good. They scored 17 points. They lost to Dallas by 10. And they just handed out this big contract, which I, I get there's escalators in it and him starting, but why would you tie yourself to him for even that much money when really you don't even have a position for him? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And some of the comments that have come out uh, of Sean Payton's mouth is just, you know, absurdity. And it reminds me of John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. I said it earlier, Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh. Harbaugh is trying to validate him every day. The Ravens try to validate him every day because they hear the noise. They hear the social media. They hear the the commentary on ESPN, Fox Sports, wherever it may be, where there's criticism of Lamar Jackson. And and they're out to prove those people wrong. Sean Payton's out to prove people wrong with Taysom Hill. And I don't know why. He's a very good football guy. But he calls, you know, he calls him Steve Young. But then, you know, when Drew Brees gets hurt the past two years, Teddy Bridgewater goes into the game. If he's Steve Young, why isn't he playing? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and then Jameis Winston goes into the game when Drew Brees is hurt last year. It's like, huh? And, and this year it happens. Trevor Simeon goes in. Trevor Simeon goes into the football game over Taysom Hill. It's like, Sean, what do you mean? He goes on Kevin Clark and, and his podcasts. And he says there would be 31 other teams if the Saints were willing to trade Taysom Hill that would trade for him. It's just like, what? No, no, they wouldn't, man. Like, they had him available after Green Bay cut him. You're the only one that took him. Nobody else wanted him. Like, like what do you mean? I, I, I don't understand why he's so sold on proving everybody wrong with Taysom Hill 
after he's already to announce to us twice with two different guys, Simeon and Winston, three guys, excuse me, Bridgewater, that he's not willing to play him if he has to. And now that he does, you know, he throws 19 completions out of 41 and they lose by 10. And they, I know they won the game last year against Denver with no quarterback on the field for the Broncos. This just is not a road that you want to go down. And, and they did because I guess they're out to, you know, show the world that Taysom Hill can play quarterback, traditional quarterback down there in New Orleans. And it's just not working out. And he's announced several times that really that's not the case. And you look at Gardner Minshew, you know, Look, I not that I'm a true Gardner Minshew believer. I don't think he's better than, you know, the 10 other quarterbacks. You know, you could give me 10 more names and I would take them over Gardner Minshew. But you, you look at the Giants, you look at the Saints, you look at the Jets. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out there that you could have had Gardner Minshew for six-round pick and he could be playing for you right now and potentially winning some games and putting up a lot of points. But instead, for whatever reason, you want to hand out big dollars, millions of dollars to Taysom Hill to be this gadget, weird signal caller. And it's not working out for you. And now the Saints, they've lost five in a row and they're going to miss out on the playoffs. So since most of you are listening to this here on Tuesday and we have the biggest game of the week here on Monday, what I'm going to do is I'm going to predict the future. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen so you can hold me to it. Um, check the timestamps on this upload. It'll be Monday evening. I'm posting this before the Monday night game. Here is what is going to happen. I had a, a friend at me, ask me what's going to happen. Great. Uh, uh, ben Arnold adding me, asking me what's going to happen. If you haven't listened to his music, Arnie Palmer, check it out. Got some great beats. Guys doing big things. He's asking me what's going to happen out there in Orchard Park. I originally said Buffalo. I, I had it as 27-24 Buffalo. Real big toss-up because I think both teams are going to play at a high level. And I think Buffalo needs this. I think they do hear the noise. I think they are understanding that, hey, the Patriots are actually a lot better than probably what we thought would happen here in 2021 with a rookie quarterback. But this is our division. And we were the favorites for a reason. I think they're going to come ready to play. But I just keep coming back to the fact that Bill Belichick... He's going to take away your best weapon. That has always been his longstanding method is that your best players are not going to beat us. I don't care what I have to do. You can take it back to the Giants days and him formulating that game plan uh, to get all those Giants teams to the Super Bowl. Bill Parcells credits him every single time, says he was masterful. Even J.J. Watt, he would triple team the guy and says, look, that guy's not going to beat us. I, I will lose, but I'm not going to have J.J. Watt having a monster game against us. The guy that I think Bill Belichick is going to formulate that plan against now is going to be Stephon Dix. He's going to have a very quiet evening. I don't know what he's going to do. You know, I'm not going to get into the X's and the O's, the Jimmy's and the Joe's, but Stephon Dix, I don't think he's going to be a factor in this game. That makes me think. Run game. In a snowy, cold Buffalo evening, I don't really see physically the Buffalo offensive line manhandling that defensive line with Matt Judon and really a December New England football team where their defense is coming together. That That's when things start to come together. They run very complex stuff. Their defensive line, they're going to be not only schematically in better shape because it's deeper into the season, 
I think their practices, Bill Belichick, he's known to have the guys outside year-round. doesn't matter if it's hot. doesn't matter if it's raining. In this case, snow. There's no team that practices harder. So you add that up, I think their defensive line is going to be more physical, more prepared, and they're going to outperform them. And I don't see the run game for Buffalo being a factor. So that tells me the game's going to be in Josh Allen's hands. Is he really going to diagnose, you know, hit hit the soft spots uh, of the New England defense? I don't see that. I think this is going to be a close game because I don't think, you know, Patriots offense, they're not going to overwhelm Buffalo defense. They, they, they have a limited capability as far as, as deep plays. But when it's all said and done, I think New England gets it done. Maybe that's just, you know, the easy way out because they have one. I guess it's five in a row now and they're surging. And I think they'll, this would give them number one seed in the AFC. But I think when you actually break it down to the, to the fundamental parts here, I think it's going to be 27-24 New England Patriots. They go into Buffalo and they get a W. Appreciate everybody listening. That's going to do it. Hopefully that prediction was correct. I don't know where else you're going to get that level of analysis as far as, you know, placing your bets. You need to tell your friends if they are placing money on these games, they got to come to the podcast. Pete's picks. Maybe I'll do some more breakdowns like that as far as what I think is going to happen. So you guys are smartly, wisely putting your cash on the right team. Uh, And I think Patriots, yeah, I think they're going to get a W here. Um, I just trust Bill Belichick team uh, at this point in time in December. But share with your friends. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. Uh, At me, Pete4C, questions, comments, whatever you have, put it right here on the show. Uh, Appreciate everybody listening. We will see you next week.